are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Tonight, listen, I, 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 want, I, want, you to, I want you to go with me tonight, some very familiar scripture. You know, in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and God's power came, what a revival meeting. And look at verse 41, if you will, in Acts 2, verse 41. They that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, they got saved by receiving God's word. If you are here lost tonight, you'll get saved by taking God at his word, being born again, not of corruptible seed, uh, uh, but, uh, but uh, not of incorruptible seed, or not of corruptible seed, uh, but by the word of God. Uh, and so you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, like the scripture says. And then he says, and they were baptized. That's what you ought to do after you get saved. And then, and they ought, and you ought to, uh, join a local assembly of Bible believers. You see that? And they were added unto them about 3,000. That was a pretty good crowd to get saved in one day. You know, a lot of times, and don't misunderstand me, a lot of times when I see it, I say, well, we had so many people down the aisle. Well, I, I like that, but I want to see them keep coming down the aisle. I, I want to see them keep on coming, you know. I'm, I, uh, the other day, a fellow visited our church about two weeks ago, uh, Piedmont Bible College is eight miles from us, and this man said he lived in Pensacola, and he came to uh, to, to begin college there at Piedmont, and he they don't have a, a church, or they just go to church where they want to. We have several good students from Piedmont that are members of our church, and this young man came up to me after service, and he's kind of looking around. He said, I'm just kind of looking around for a church, and I said, we're glad to have you this morning. He said, well, I want to ask you. He said, he said, <laughs> he said I've been told, said some of our college students say that you folks are pretty much after numbers. Is that right? I said, that's exactly it, boy. You hit it right on the head. I said, I really am. I said, you tell them I'm right. I'm after numbers. I haven't seen them since. Uh, but, but this church was after numbers. Numbers mean souls, my friend. Numbers mean souls. And it had 3,000 saved. Now notice in verse 42, they didn't stop. They continued. Notice that little word, continued. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And notice what results was in verse 43. And fear came upon every soul. God knows we need fear today of God. But I believe if we'll continue in verse 42, verse 43 will be the results of it, my friend. We are not continuing like God wants us to. But now notice in verse 44. And all that believed were together and all things common, sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, look at that word again, continuing, you see it, daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, and praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church one time a year when they had the big meeting. It don't say that, does it? The Lord added to the church daily, daily, such as be saved. Now, you know all of us like that. Like we, we really like that verse 47. Uh, we like to be in services where they're praising God. I don't like to be around anything dead. I don't. I like to be around something alive. And uh, this was a live church. They was praising God. 
the Bible said. They were having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to the church. People were getting saved daily, my friend. But now tonight, I'm going to have to get right into my thought. Just three simple thoughts, and they continued. They continued. Uh, uh, so many starting today, but not much continuing today. Uh, one dear man said to me years ago, who's with the Lord? Now, he used to be one of my deacons. In fact, he was one of them who got mad and walked off from me. But anyway, he said, he said to me years ago, he said, Pastor, I see a lot of people can start off, but he said they start off like they're going to get done in the do. And I said, yeah, you're right, Doc. They do. A lot of them do. We shouldn't get done. We should keep on and keep on and keep on. And tonight I've just got three simple thoughts. I want us to notice, it's right here in the outline, what should we continue in? And then how can we continue? And then why should we continue? Now think with me on those thoughts tonight. What should we continue in? Well, the Bible says we should continue in the apostles' doctrines. Uh, now, you remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, More I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you. He's telling those people at Corinth, he says, I'm declaring to you what I've preached unto you, and by wherein you are saved, uh, if you've believed, if you've not believed in vain, you got saved by hearing the gospel. Uh, now, Paul has said, I am declaring it unto you. I remember back here a few years ago, I was coming down the highway one Sunday afternoon, and a dear black preacher was preaching. Boy, I turned the radio on. It blessed my soul. I didn't know him. But he was preaching on declaring, and he was doing some preaching too. He said, Paul, what are you doing over at Philippi? Paul said, I'm declaring. He said, now, what do you know at Thessalonica? He said, I'm declaring. And over there at Berean, he said, I'm still declaring. He went all through the Bible. We need to do some declaring, folks, some declaring. Now, now the Bible says over here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, now notice, they continued in the apostles' doctrine, and all scriptures given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete or may be perfect, uh, uh, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Uh, Paul is telling Timothy, he said, you just need to stay in the Scriptures. Uh, and this is what I want to leave with you. They continued in the Apostle talk. The very thing that the Apostles was preaching to them, they kept right on. Now listen, folks, if something works, let's keep it going, you know. Uh, once in a while, my wife and I'll take a little vacation. I'll verse them take every vacation away on Sunday. I don't like to do that, but we'll go off sometime during the week. And uh, I remember twice was looking for a midweek prayer meeting. And I thought, well, now, honey, we'll find one here. And we went in a church you thought would have had three or 400 in prayer meeting. Uh, and it had about 15 people. And the pastor was not standing up here. He was standing over in the corner teaching them. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about two different places. Uh, and then when he got through teaching for about 15 or 20 minutes to those 20 people or so, uh, uh, maybe a few more, I remember one place we went. Uh, then uh, he said, now, we'll dismiss the choir. No, no, wait a minute. They started praying, and they prayed around for about 15 minutes, and he said, now the choir can be dismissed, and about two-thirds of them left, and then he taught for a few minutes. And I said, what's this about? He said, well, they're rehearsing the choir while we were having prayer meeting. Now, I, I, I found that sometime. In fact, about the last vacation I went, I found that. And I found in other places. Now, what I'm trying to say, some preacher, somebody didn't continue on. Now, these fellows didn't stop. 
If they'd have started that idea. I don't understand these young preachers that'll follow some of us older fellas uh, and try to change things. Brother, when things are working, why don't we keep it going? That's what I'm talking about. And I, I find them all over the country. I'm talking independent Baptist preachers. And they'll decide, well, prayer meeting, we'll just have a little study and we'll have a little crowd get over yonder and a little crowd over yonder and pray and a little crowd over yonder. Brother, we need to continue right on just like this church did. And, and, and this thing of prayer meeting, I mean, we need to put emphasis on it and, and keep it going. I found myself years ago, every time I'd ask somebody to come to church, I'd always ask them on Sunday morning. You ever catch yourself that way? And God spoke to my heart and said, Why don't you ask them on Wednesday night? That's important too. And my choir, I started off and I didn't use the choir on Wednesday night. And we just kind of having a little study. And I got to preaching. I said, What's the matter? Why can't we use the choir on Wednesday night? And I got to throwing out, you know, and I'd say, If you hadn't got enough religion to come on Wednesday night, yours on Sunday morning is no good. And I just kept a whapper on it. Whapper on it. And about 30 years ago, we changed that thing around. And bless God, on Wednesday night, our choir sings just like it does on Sunday morning or Sunday night. And we have an old-fashioned service, and folks get saved, and we have a sweet time. And I'm not bragging, but I'm saying, brother, we need to get back to doing some continuing what the book teaches right here. These folks kept on just preaching the Word of God. Yesterday I was visiting the hospitals, and I'll not call the church. Dr. Malone would know the church down in, on down in Florida now. I mean, on down in the southern part of Florida. I visited there years ago, a great man of God. I think the church had about a thousand in Sunday school at that time. That pastor has retired now, and uh, so happened that his secretary moved to North Carolina some years ago, and she's in our church now, and her mother is in the hospital. And I was talking to her yesterday. And I said, since that pastor's gone, how, how, how long or how's the church getting along? And she said, Brother Bob, it's pitiful. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you know, our pastor thought he had a man ready for the church. He was a missionary, and uh, he thought he was ready for the church, and he recommended him. He had been there for years, and he put him in and said, he's done stopped the Sunday night service. I said, you can't, you don't mean it. She said, Brother Bobby, our pastor's broken hearted. Said, that man said, well, I don't think there's any need of us trying to go on. They won't come and all this and that. Now, this thing is happening all over the eastern coast, my friend. Our churches are dying because we're not continuing on like they did in the first church. And brother, it worked then. And let's never try to improve on what the Bible says. That's what I'm talking about. They continued. I could say many things about that tonight. And notice something else they continued in, in fellowship. In fellowship. I mean, listen, they just kept fellowshipping one with another and fellowshipping with the Lord. You know, fellowship is a two-way. Some people say, well, now, I love God, but I'm not going to have anything to do with Him. Well, you might as well forget that. You can't fellowship with God. Uh, you have never seen God. Uh, and if you don't love your brother whom you have seen, you can't love God whom you have not seen, you see. And we need to continue in this fellowship. I mean, just love each other and fellowship with Jesus. And listen, folks, if we don't fellowship with Jesus every day, we will discontinue fellowshipping with one another in a little while. And we'll be get cold in our hearts. Uh, and we'll fail, say, well, our church is not like it used to be. And the problem is we just haven't been in the presence of God. That's what I'm talking about. I remember back here several years ago, the Southwide Baptist Fellowship meeting was at Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga. 
And you folks, many of you, some of you may have maybe remembered Dr. Charles Weigel wrote the song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. Well, I heard him preach. I heard him sing it. I heard him sing several times. Dr. Howes was preaching at the South White. And, uh, and uh, Dr. Howes told us this. He said he was there at Highland Park just a few weeks before that, and, and Dr. Weigel was not in the service. Now, Dr. Weigel died, I believe he was 95. Uh, he was about 92 or 93 at that time. And uh, Dr. Howes said, I missed him. I asked Dr. Lee Robertson where he's at. He said, well, he's sick. He's not able to be here tonight. And he said, uh, could I go see him? And you know, Dr. Robertson gave Dr. Weigel a place to live there for many years. He had no living relatives. And so Dr. Howes went over after service uh, to just speak to him. Dr. Howes said, I walked up to his apartment and I heard him talking. And he said, I waited and waited. And he said, I think he said he waited about 10 minutes. And he thought, he said, I hate, I hate to just go on in with him, with him having company, but I've got to go. And I did want to speak to him and said, I tapped on the door. And said, Dr. Charles Weigel came to the door and cracked it open. He said, well, Brother Jack, come on in. He said, I don't want to bother you and your company. He said, oh, you don't bother us. Come right on in. He says, walk around with his socks on. And he said, well, who, who was in the room with you? And he said, well, nobody here. He said, Dr. Weigel, I've been standing out here for ten minutes listening to you talk. And, and I know something, something, what is it? He said it looked like it, it for a moment it kind of embarrassed him a little bit. And Dr. Charles said, well, I was talking with Jesus. He said, you see... Brother House, it won't be long until I'll be with him personally. And he and I have a good time together. We'll just have a little fellowship. Brother How we need to get back to that. My dear old grandmother passed away at 88 years old, one of them, and the other at 95. They talked to me about how they had fellowship with God. My mother's mother died at 95. She lived alone until she was 90 years old. Widow for many years. Lived in an old big two-story house. She used to tell me she's an old-fashioned Methodist. She said, now don't you make fun of me, Bobby, but she said, you got the second blessing, I believe. You know, those old-fashioned Methodists talked about the second blessing. And she could shout, boy, she'd have a time. She said, now the rest of them thinks I'm kind of crazy, but you've got the second blessing. You know what I'm talking about. My old grandmother used to tell me sometimes, she told me one night, she said, by any time you went to her house, the Bible was open. And uh, she'd been reading. She'd start talking to me about Elijah like I'd never heard about Elijah. And boy, she'd tell me a story, what a good time. And she said, you know, Brother Bobby, she said, uh, Bobby, she said the other night, I sat here and I got kind of feeling sorry for myself. Said, I got to think about Job. I'd never been through nothing like him, so I read the book of Job. Granny said I read the book of Job, 42 chapters, just about like you and I would say I read a verse. And she said, they won't understand the rest of them, but you do, son. She said, God came down in this place, and she said, he got surreal. She said, when I come to myself, I was upstairs just shouting and having a time, just well fellowshipping with Jesus. Let me tell you something, folks. When we learn that God is real, bless God, we won't be backsliding, and we'll be continuing on, and that's what happened. These folks kept on fellowshipping one with another and with God. Back to Dr. Weigel. Dr. Howes said, he said, we was having a good time. He said, well, what are you doing with your shoes off? 
And that giant said, don't think I'm crazy. But I've been up on the bed, jumping up and down, having me a time. Listen, folks, don't never get too busy to stay in fellowship. Talk with God every day and let Him talk with you. Stay in fellowship. Continue there. That means something. All these things went together. That's why they kept praising God and the church kept growing and working. They stayed in fellowship. Notice something else. They stayed in prayer. And boy, every one of these is a message itself. But we need to pray. And we've always had a prayer room in our church. But that thing got kind of weak. And you know, sometimes we get so many programs, we leave out the main thing. I know Steve said to me, Daddy, we need to do this and do that. I said, no, no, Steve, we can't. And Steve didn't want to leave that out. I said, Steve, we've got to get our priorities right. I've got to get this prayer room strong. About two or three years ago, I started putting the emphasis on that prayer room. And I said for 30 minutes before service every Sunday night, we want that thing full. Ladies, get in your prayer room. Let's pray. And I say to God be the glory this past Sunday night and every Sunday night to stand around the aisle, around the, uh, around the wall in there. Don't even have sitting places for them. About 75 to 100 men on their face before God praying. And brother, let me tell you, things happen when you walk out like that. That's what I'm talking about. This place continued in prayer. Prayer changes things. Let me tell you something quickly. We had a fellow from North Carolina. Went out to Montana and started a church a few years ago. We helped him. He said, do you mind me naming it Gospel Light? I said, count an honor. And he preached for a couple, three years or so, got up to about 150 people, was renting the building, and they said he had to vacate the building at a certain time. And he said, we couldn't find anything. We didn't have any money. He came back to North Carolina. I took him out for a meal. He sat there, old country boy, and cried. And he said, Preacher, I've heard some of these big fellas talk about things like this, but I never had an experience like this. That's what he'd say. This is what he said. He said, we had, a, we had an average of 150. We couldn't meet in a house. We didn't, our houses weren't large. He lived in a little two-room house himself, him and his wife. And he said, we didn't have room to meet. And he said, we had a deadline. We had to be out of the building was in. And he said, we got desperate. Do you know that's when God does something? And he said, we started having an all-night prayer meeting. He said, we kept prayer for three or four weeks. Somebody stayed in that building praying ever. When somebody quit, somebody else was there praying. And time was getting closer and closer, and it looked like it was going to have to dissolve that church. And he said, I found an old bar had been closed up and was about half torn down. And he said, I got to looking over that thing, and the man said, he would sell it to us for $42,500. He said, I thought, boy, if we could go in this thing, our men could come in here and renovate this thing. We'd make us a church out of it. But we didn't have $500. And just a few days before the end, we was crying. We was begging God. That's what I'm talking about. Getting burdened, brother, in prayer. And he said, preacher, we didn't know what to do. We was at the end. We didn't know which way to go. And he said, there's two women in our church up in their 80s, two old maids. I didn't know they had anything. And they called and said, Preacher, would you mind coming over to our house a few minutes? And said, went over there and said, uh, and said uh, one of them said, uh, you know, we've been talking about it. We're not going to live too much longer. And uh, said, we want to see Gospel Light Church go on here. Kalispell, Montana. I've been out there and preached. In fact, I went out there and dedicated a building some time ago. But anyway said that we'd like to give a little something on this building. 
And the pastor said, I thought five or ten dollars. said, okay. And said, would you drive us down to bank? And he said, oh, yes. And he said, we got in the car and it rolled down to bank. Those two old sisters, one of them, I met them when I was out there. One of them has her oxygen, you know, her little wheels go along with oxygen. And uh, they went in the, in the, we went in the bank, he said. And one of them said, the other said, you just sit down over there, the preacher, let me talk to the banker. He said a few minutes, you come back and said, now, how much do you say that man wanted for that building? And he said, 42500 She said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to get him 42000 Let's see if we can get him down. And if we can't, I'll come back and get to 500 That old country North Carolina boy sat there in the K&W, tears flowed down his cheek, Dr. Malone. He said, I've heard some of these big preachers tell things like that, but I never had experience like that preacher. Those old boys got in there and made a beautiful building out of that old bar and got a big sign up front, Gospel Light Baptist Church. And I flew out there a while back, and we dedicated that thing to the glory of God, run to about 200 in Sunday school. Brother, don't you think God's not still on the throne, brother? And let me tell you something. When Zion travails, children is born. And when we get down to business with God, God will send some power and fire in our churches, just like He did over yonder on Mount Carmel, if we'll just get busy with God. I want to tell you this. I may go a little over time, but Dr. Malone can go on. I promise I'll stay awake to hear that man. Let me tell you, I served on a deacon board when I was just a kid, actually. I was about 20 years old, and uh, there was an older deacon. He's 65. He'd had a lot of experiences. Old Steve, you know Steve, my boy, he's our oldest child. We have four children. Steve was about six or eight weeks old. I'll never forget what Grover McGee told, told me one day. Asked me, He said, Bobby, you love that boy. We was having a meeting, deacons meeting. He said, you love that little boy, don't you? I said, I sure do. He said, let me tell you something, son. He said, uh, he said you love him so much you'd do anything for him. I said, sure. He said, listen. He said, you're God's child. He said this. He said, if, if, you was in a, if you heard that little boy in the room crying and you had company, he said, would you just sit on and let him squall and not know what's wrong with him? Wouldn't you excuse yourself and get up and go find out what's wrong? And I said, yes. And that dear old giant Grover McGee said, you remember this, son. He said, if God is having a meeting with his angels and you're his child and you begin to cry around his feet desperate, said he'll excuse himself from that meeting and open the doors and see what's wrong with his child. Brother, I'll tell you, we still have the privilege of prayer. This church continued in the Apostles' Doctrine, continued in fellowship, continued in prayer. They continued in soul winning, and I could go on and on. They continued like they started, brother. Now, wait a minute. My second point, it won't take me long on this one. How can we continue, Brother Bobby? Oh, I'm determined I'm going to continue. It takes more than that. Boy, I've had a lot of them through the years determine everything. Tell me that, give me their right arm, but they're gone. Some have been gone a long time. It takes more than that. Old Peter said, I'll stand, but he didn't. How can we continue on? A very simple thought. Learn to die to self every day. Just as sure as you're here, if nobody has hurt you yet, they will hurt you. Young preacher in our area said the other day, I got a good church, but I declare... I don't believe my deacons like me. And he's wondering where he ought to hang around or not. One of them said something to hurt his feelings. 
You see, folks, if we don't learn to die, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul said, I die daily. If we don't learn to do that, we'll get bitterness in our heart and we'll quit. Last week, my telephone rang one night, and the lady said, Brother Bobby, I'm one of your members, but I'm not going to tell you who I am. Said, I just want to ask you something. How come you preach against things? I said, what do you mean? She said, let me ask you. She said, now, don't, don't think I'm wrong. I love you. But she said, if there was a man out here in the front yard of the church, and he had a pair of shorts on, and his hair was down on his shoulders, you wouldn't let him come in the church, would you? I said, yeah. Ah, oh, you wouldn't, because you talk about things like that. I said, I'd let him come in and preach to him and get him saved and get him cleaned up. And she said, well, now, what does that make any difference? And she kept on, what does that make? And I give her 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Well, I don't want to hear that. What does that make any difference? And I said, sister, now, listen, let me tell you something. I said, I don't know who you are, but I said, I'm too far down the line to compromise now. And she said, you're going to run people away. I said, God never did tell me I was going to preach to a big congregation anyway. He just said to be true, and I don't plan on stopping. I said, I'm not trying to be smart or anything, but I'm not changing for you or nobody else. Now, wait a minute. You, you, get, you, get, you get in the pastor, you get these old nasty letters. I got a whole, I got a whole drawer full. I thought about just taking them out and burning them. I mean, I mean, just rake you over the coals and just tell you what. And listen, you just can't let that stuff get in you. If you do, you'll just continue. You'll get bitter. Bitterness kills more Christians in the world than this does. Just die to it. You and I have never faced what Paul faced. We've never faced what Jesus faced. My goodness, Paul, don't you think it's time you quit when you got stoned to death and all these things? No, no, Paul says, I, I, none of these things move me. He said, I got a course to finish. And folks, the way we're going to keep going is just die to it. I mean, just let them knock you around and talk about you and do as they please, but just go on with Jesus anyhow and die to it. And that's hard to do, but we've got to do it. Brother Lester Roloff was with us three or four times a year. We had, a, we had the large, well, that thousand-seat auditorium, we had the largest auditorium. Independent Baptist Church Auditorium in, in the Winston-Salem area. He said one day, Brother Bobby, I don't want to go into any civic buildings. They're too cold. He said, could I use your church? He couldn't go everywhere he wanted to go. I said, any time you want to. He called me about 6 o'clock in the morning. I knew who he was. Uh, Dr. Lord, I don't know if you ever talked to him or not. When he got through, he hung up. He's kind of like Steve. Steve did that. He never said bye or nothing. Just, you're still talking. He's gone. Yeah. Brother Roloff said, this is Lester down here in Texas. Time to get up. Six o'clock. He'd call you six o'clock every time. Time to get up. Going to be up there in about two weeks on Thursday night. I said, well, come on, Brother Roloff. Sometime I'd be preaching. I said, well, I'm supposed to be. Well, that's all right. Been wanting your church anyway. Give me a good chance. That's okay. He came to our church when I wasn't even there. Largest crowd. One night we counted 1,868 people in a thousand seat auditorium. We couldn't take care of them unless the roll off was there. I, I, if I had time, I could tell you the times I flew with him in his plane. I could tell you the times I eat with him. I could tell you some times I prayed with him. But now, wait a minute, wait a minute. We was riding along one day. He had a real sense of humor. He just cut up with me all the time. 
I feel like I was in the presence of God when I was in the presence of Him. And one day I cracked something crazy back at Him. And I got under conviction, Brother Jack. And I said to him, Brother Roloff, I'm sorry I said what I did to you. I said, I wouldn't hurt you for anything in the world. I want you to take this home with you. He didn't hesitate. You know what he said? He said, Brother Bobby, if you hurt me, it's not your fault. It's my fault because I am supposed to be dead and you can't hurt something dead. I've tried to remember that. That's been 20 years or more ago. That's why he could come out of the jail singing. That's why he had the joy of God in his heart. We'd better learn to die or we will not continue on. So we need to die to self. Learn to do that every day. Jude 21, keep yourself in the love of God. 2 Timothy 2.15, study the Word of God. Feast on the Word of God. Uh, Proverbs 29.18, keep your vision for souls. That'll keep us going. Now let me close with this thought. I've talked about what we ought to continue in. I've talked a little bit about how we can keep continuing. And I want to give you a thought on why we should. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 16, he said, you take heed to yourself, Timothy, and continue. You find that word again. Continue, not doctrine. And he said, if you'll do this, you will not only save yourself. Now, he wasn't talking about saving from hell. He was, but you'll save your testimony, and you'll also get others saved. Now, that's why I've got to continue. There is somebody watching my life in your life. I have a 22-year-old grandson that's preaching. A few years ago, he was at uh, Trinity Baptist College in Jacksonville. And I was preaching for uh, Tom, Tom Neal, Berean. I flew down to Jacksonville. Somebody at their church, had gave him an old automobile. He said, Paul, Paul, I've done asked off if I could stay the two nights you're there in the motel with you. He picked me up at the airport. Makes you feel old when your grandson driving you along and calling you Pawpaw. I'm getting more used to it. We've got ten of them now, and I'm getting more used to it. But, I mean, he's the oldest one. He's 22 now. And uh, he stayed with me in the motel and went to school in the daytime and stayed in the services. And we'd pray at night. One night, I remember on Tuesday night, I went by and got him. And we went by the motel a few minutes, had evening meal, and was going on. And... He was wanting to pray a while. We got out between those beds. And he was about 20 at, at that time, I guess. And he said, oh, God, my papa needs you so bad tonight. Oh, God, help him tonight as he preaches. God, keep him tonight. Listen, folks. If no other reason, and I need to continue an old-time religion, I've got a grandson that's coming on. If Jesus tarries, it's coming. It's going to get tougher for him than it was for me. And about the time that he decides to, the devil tells him to let up a little bit, I want him to remember my old papa. He kept going. He kept going. That's what I mean. We ought to continue on. I've looked at men like Dr. Tom Malone, and I know some of the battles he's been through, not all of them, no, no, but some of them, and other men of God that have went on before me, and God has used that many times when I've come up against things. God has said, you know what I've done for him and for him and for him. That's why we ought to continue on, because we'll help somebody else continue along the way. 
I'll close with this tonight. I had one of, I got other points here, but I, I just quit. But uh, I had one of the most godly mothers that ever lived. My father was a Baptist preacher. My father pastored two churches, averaging 200 a better apiece, worked five and a half days a week in the printing department at the bank. He's been dead 50 years last, last month. He died at 39 with a heart attack. Boy, this young, these new preachers think you've got to have... My daddy never had a study. He never had a telephone. But he had the power of God on him. As a little old boy, I can remember the old amen corner over here. They had, to, had a few benches sit like this, and the men sit over there, you know. And man, Dad get to preaching and a hollering, and I didn't know what it was all about. Those fellas get to holler, sicken him to it, you know. And amen him. And some dear old sister had come unscrewed and, and raised up, and she just and she couldn't stand it no longer. And she just, whoo! And boy, people fill up them altars. Oh, how we need that today. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Dad preached on Sunday at 10.30 in, in the bank at 10.30 on Monday morning. He dropped dead at 39 years old. My mother was 37. There was three little boys, 9, 12, and 13. I was a 12-year-old one. My mother had never worked a public job. She went to the hospital. She got 130, I think she said $132 a month Social Security for us to live on. My mother went to the hospital and got her job as a nurse's aide. She worked there with, with practically not, making nothing until she was 66 years old. And they said, you'll have to retire. And all of us were married then. She was still living alone. Mother come to me and she said, Bobby, I don't want to quit work. And she said, I don't, still don't get enough Social Security to live on. What am I going to do? I said, Mother, we're starting our school along about then. I said, Mother, I know you're a good cook. And we need somebody to cook in the school. Would you like to cook? And my mother worked up to five days before she went to heaven. She's 84 when she died. She's been gone to heaven three years now. She cooked for those kids. She loved them. If you ever come to Gospel Lights, you'll see they've put a great big picture of Miss Era up in, the, up in the cafeteria there. But I knew she was getting feeble. She didn't make much. I helped set them salaries, but I didn't know what they were. But we didn't pay up much. She might have made... My eighty to hundred dollars, maybe hundred dollars a week. I don't know. We give them a little raise along. Mother's getting a little feeble. She's about eighty-two, I guess. And I said, "Mom, don't you want to retire?" I told my deacon board. I said, "I know Mom can't do what she could." And one of my deacons said, "We'll pay her right on, preacher, as long as she wants to work." But I, I said, "Mom, don't you want to retire?" I said, "I'll talk to the brothers and we'll help supplement your salary. You don't make much." And she said, "Bobby." She said, you know, we're getting 15 cents an hour raise next year. And I knew that. <laughs> but I didn't remember what that But Dr. Tom, she said this. She said, I'll be making $4 an hour. And I've never made that much in my life. Let me work on a while. And I said, Mother, you work as long as you please. And she did. But back yonder after Daddy died and I became a teenager, Mother was consistent. Every month, she'd get that little envelope out and fix out her tithe and put it in church. 
When I became pastor of Gospel Light, she moved her membership there. I was her pastor for nearly 34 years. She sat to my left. She'd sit when I'd preach, and she'd nod her head and weep for me. She was our Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, just as faithful as a clock. But I remember, and I'm sorry about this, but I remember when I got out, got wild, stayed out 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. We didn't have, everybody had a bedroom. We just had a room to sleep in. But I had to go through the room where Mother slept to get to where I slept. And I used to slip my shoes off on the front porch 3 o'clock in the morning and try to get in there. But I never did get in. What she wouldn't say, Bobby, must be awful late, son. I've been thinking about you. And then I'd lie to her about the time. But wait a minute. What I'm trying to say is this, and I've got to close. It paid off that she kept continuing. I seen something in her life that I didn't see in a lot of people's life. My mother never stood up in a church, to my knowledge, and give up. She was a little backward country, uneducated woman. But she was consistent. And she kept on. She'd come to the room where I slept on Sunday morning. And she'd say, Bobby, I wish you would go to church. I don't know why she'd say this. She said, if your daddy knows you wasn't in church, he'd turn over in his grave. And she'd leave out of the room. And I'd, she kept on and on. And one day the big meeting was going on at her church. I was fighting conviction. And she said, I was going with my wife before we was married. Got saved a month before we was married. And I said, uh, she said, why don't you bring Jackie to church tonight and come to the big meeting? And I'd heard her so much, just keep on and on. And I said, okay, Mother. I thought I'll show my girlfriend. But that old Baptist preacher preached that night. I don't know where you ever heard that song, Something Got a Hold of Me. But something got a hold of me that night. I couldn't shake it. I stood there, tears don't save you. I bit my lip. I tried to keep the tears back. I was hoping my girlfriend wouldn't look because I didn't want her to think she was marrying a sissy. And I said, I can't go down there to whatever's telling me to go and something else was telling me not. I didn't know it was a devil then. I didn't know what it was about. But I can remember when that preacher stood there and wept, that old country preacher, and said, we're going to sing one more verse, won't you come? And I can remember answering in my mind back to that thought, tears or no tears, girlfriend or no girlfriend, I don't want to go to hell. And I turned loose the pew that night. That was October the 24th, 1948. God came into my soul that night and saved me because there was a little sweet, godly country mother who stayed consistent all through the years and was a widow for nearly 47 years but was the same every day. And if I have any reward in heaven, that sweet little godly mother will have a part of it. Let me say this. You may be having, you may have kids that's gone astray. You better continue. For in doing this, not only will you save yourself, but you can also win them to Christ.
let's keep on going. Father, I've talked so long tonight, and I'm sorry I took Dr. Malone's time, but I pray that you'll use what I believe the Holy Spirit laid on my heart to encourage. And we'll just continue right on. Speak to our hearts. Let me ask you before I close a prayer tonight, I'm not going to give invitation, but let me ask you. I wonder if you're here tonight and you say, Brother Bobby, I, I've kind of discontinued. I've let up a little bit. I've kind of got cold. I just haven't died to some things like I should. And I want you to pray for me tonight before you close a prayer. Would you slip your hand up just where you're at? Mind you, God, when we talk about this all over the congregation, folks, die to it tonight. Die to it. You'll shipwreck if you don't. Dear Lord, help these people tonight. They're in their seat just to die to it. You teach us in the Scriptures we cannot follow you except we deny ourselves. Take up the cross. Bless Dr. Tom tonight and keep your hand upon this conference. And may we be continuing right on for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.